It's amazing to me that I never would have thought in my lifetime we could run out of toilet paper. By the way, fun fact, um, did you know toilet paper was not even mass produced until the 1920s and most households probably didn't even use it till the 1950s, 40s or 50s? So I wonder what the world did before this happened because we act like we can't live without it. Now, we don't have to think too far, but I do have a lot of leaves in my backyard if you need some help. So... I want you to think about all those sins, but let's talk about toilet paper. So let me just tell you something. I want you to imagine for a minute that I have a semi-truck load of toilet paper in my backyard. And you're jealous of me right now, aren't you? Daddy's going to be wiping all year long. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Um, yes, the toilet paper shortage is fully upon us. I hope that you all are stocked up. I hope that you have the supplies you need. Um, if you're uh, stuck at home um, during this time, and um, this is a crazy time. Um, we've never, I've never gone through anything like this in my life before, and um, we're all, we're all in this together. So um, this week is we're continuing on our series called Cross Equals Love, um, and this week Pastor Alex. Um, who's actually the founding pastor of Life Church Can? He's preaching, um, and I encourage you guys um, during this time to to be engaged with what we're doing online. We have a podcast, we have um, some different Facebook Live things. the The easiest way to know about what we're doing is on our website, lifechurchcan.org/now, um, and that's going to have the most up to date information as to what we're doing as a church. So, um, with all that said, here's Alex. Enjoy the message, and we'll see you soon. great worshiping with you. Um, I have a special guest today, and his name's Alex Rejo, and he's the founding pastor of this church. And months ago, we had him coming out and scheduled, and some things fell through, and then this happened. But I can't help but think that this is providence. And so I'm so honored that you are here. I'm so excited that you are here. You guys are going to enjoy this. Some things I want you to do. Um, I want you to comment when something hits you. I want you to, to put down that something was funny, because this guy is really funny. Uh, I think he's funny. And, and so if you write down, let us know. And then we also want to do something special at the very end of the gathering. At the very end of the gathering, we want to answer questions. And we're sitting across from each other. There's hundreds of people watching right now. We get this opportunity to ask questions that we've never had before. So if you have a question for me, um, you can ask, hey, Nathan, you can put ask Pastor Nathan, ask Nathan this question, and I'll answer it at the end of the gathering. But if you have any other questions that you don't necessarily want me to answer, you can put them in right now, and people will comment. Well, I'm excited for you to be here. Again, it is an honor to stand here with you, and I'm excited to hear from you as you share what's on your heart for our world and for this church. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning, Life Church. I was so excited to be here with you. And I'm here, and you're not right now. And I just want to say a couple things. I couldn't be more grateful than to be with you right now. And I want you to think about a key principle of Scripture. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in your, in your midst. Jesus is in our midst because we're gathered in his name. And space and physicality do not affect that. We may be separated, but we do not need to be isolated. I'm here with you. Kevin, I'm with you. 
I see you, buddy. Linda, I know you're there. So grateful for you. I'm thinking about many of you. I prayed for you all week, and I believe the Lord has something for us today. I know he has something for us, and I know that he's with us. You know, we live in a time that, um, honestly, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And for many of you, that's, that's true. But I know this, Jesus has seen things like this. And the church has seen things like this. And as we deal with this virus and this spreading sickness that we're all trying to combat, and stock markets plunging, and unemployment, there's so many fears that can be raised up inside of our souls, and uncertainty, and despair. And I've seen that anxiety, I've seen that growing in people's lives. And all of these things can cause us to justify retreating and looking out for ourselves. Rather than focusing on God and who he is and what he has for us and focusing on loving the people around us well, like Jesus told us to, and focusing on serving and the opportunities God may have for us to serve. A crisis like this can cause us to easily become self-centered. And this is the thing I want us to understand. It is now is the time for the church to be the church and rise up. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. And we are in it together with Jesus. And Jesus tells us, quite simply, love is the key. Love is not selfish, but sacrificial. And I want to pray that we would hear God's word. Lord, we pray right now in this moment that you would be with us, that we would know that we're together even though we are separated. We're together with you and one another. We are not alone. And I pray, Lord, you'd bring hope, comfort, and encouragement and clear steps for us as we seek to love and follow you and, and as we seek to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to talk about four things this morning. We're in a series about love. And we're going to talk about four things. The first thing is, why does love matter? The second thing is, what love is? What is love? The second thing is, what love isn't? I'm sorry, the third thing. And the fourth thing is, how can we love in such a time as this? How can we love? When I think about why does love matter, uh, I was reacquainted with a historical event this month that really brought it home to me. In the 13th century, there was a German king, Frederick II, and he was a science person who was twisted and also had a, was a scientist in some ways, and he wanted to do an experiment. He decided that he would take babies. He wanted to know what language would babies speak if they had no human contact. And so Frederick took babies from their mothers at birth and kept them together in his castle compound and the nurses were instructed, you feed the baby, you change the baby. You're not allowed to talk to the baby. You're not allowed to cuddle the baby. You're not allowed to love the baby. We're going to find out what language they're going to speak with no human contact. What language did they speak? Frederick thought it might be German. Others thought it might be Hebrew. Those babies never spoke because every single one of them died. 
medical science has come up with a term for this phenomenon. It recognizes this phenomenon. When humans are not loved or cared for, when they have no contact and, and, and don't experience any words or love, it's called failure to thrive. And what science has realized and what we realize is that you and I were made for love. You and I cannot flourish outside of loving human contact. As a body runs on oxygen, as a car runs on gas or electricity now, so you and I were made to run on love. God made us this way. He designed us this way. And without love, we fail to thrive. We fail to thrive. We were made for love. And in the world we're currently living in, with so much fear and uncertainty, more people are going to need love than ever. And as people are isolated and alone, they're going to need love. How about you? I just want you to think for a minute as you're sitting there. Are you feeling, how full is your love tank? Are you feeling connected, seen, heard? Are you feeling respected? Are you feeling isolated and alone? And maybe a little bit invisible. How about the people around you as you're thinking about your family and friends? How are they feeling? Are they feeling isolated and alone? Are they feeling loved, heard, and connected? See, we all need love. We need to give it and we need to receive it. Otherwise, we will not flourish. But how can we do that in this time? Well, before we get into that, we want to look at the second point, which is this, what is love? What love is? And quite simply, the Bible tells us that love is sacrificially being committed to the best interest of those around you. It's doing what's in the best interest of those around you. And as Life Church is in the middle of a series, The Cross Equals Love, we're looking at the cross as the greatest symbol of love. That Jesus came out of his love for us and sacrificed himself. In fact, John, one of Jesus' closest followers in 1 John 4.10 said it like this. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, sacrifice for our sins. Out of his great love, Jesus paid the price for your sins and mine. And when we receive that gift, he cleanses us. He makes us new. He puts his Holy Spirit in us. He gives us meaning and purpose. He gives us life. We were made for love. We were made to experience God's love. We were made to experience other people's love. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus tells us that as we experience his love, now we're also meant to express his love to others. Look at what it says in, in John 15, 12. A new command I give you, Jesus said. This is what the new command is. Love one another. And that word love is not a noun, like a pool or a house. or It's a verb. It's an action. It's a choice. Love one another. Act in a way that expresses love for one another. And then this is the catch, which is, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Wow. So as Jesus' followers, we commit, as we experience the love of God, to express that love, to extend that love and live it out in the community, in our family, 
in our world during this crisis and this time. We were made for love and we were made to love. And we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter as, as a church. And we want to we dig into that a little bit because Paul now takes love and holds it up almost like a diamond and shows us each facet of what love is. And we're going to start reading from the end of uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and the beginning of 13. Paul says this, he says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. I've pastored a lot of people and had a lot of pastoral conversations, spiritual conversations. They all have this in common. Everybody wants to know the best way to live. Paul says, I'm going to tell you the best way to live. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I think sometimes we're so overwhelmed in our world, we're like, the world's so noisy because we're high on communication and we're low on love. And it doesn't change anything. It doesn't impact anything. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, imagine understanding all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had faith that could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Now that violates our very sense of creation because you were meant to be somebody. God made you to be somebody. But Paul says without love, you are nothing. God is love. And when you experience his love, you, you incarnate that love as well. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Imagine working and pouring out your whole life, even to the point of dying, and saying, I want to accomplish something great. And Paul says, you can do all that, all that work. But if you don't have love, it equals nothing. You actually accomplished nothing. Paul says the best way to live is to love. Paul says love transcends every spiritual gift. It transcends every communication gift someone might have. It, love is bigger than biblical knowledge and understanding. Love is greater than great faith. Love is more important than even sacrificial generosity and martyrdom. We were made for love, we were made to love, and without love, we are nothing. Now, as Jared talked about a couple weeks ago, there's different kinds of love that are talked about in the Bible. We use one word, love. The Bible talks about multiple kinds of love. The first is eros love, which is sexual attraction. God made that to be a good gift between a man and a woman. And then there's phileo, which is friendly affection or family love or brotherly or sisterly love. And that's a beautiful gift, but the highest love of all is agape love. It's God's love. It's sacrificial love. It's unselfish love. Love is being committed sacrificially to doing what's in the best interest of the people around you. What does that look like? What does that look like today? Well, we don't have to guess. I'm so grateful for this. Jesus was talking with some of the religious leaders and other people, and they said, hey, we get it. Love God, love others. That's the greatest commandment. What does that look like, Jesus? And Jesus said, let me tell you. Let me tell you. And it's a story we've come to know, or different people have called the Good Samaritan. You may have heard of it. You may not have. But it's, Jesus said there was a man who went on a journey, probably a business trip. And as he was traveling, 
A gang of robbers jumped him, surprised him, beat him, uh, took everything he had and left him for dead on the side of the road. Imagine being bloody, beaten, your clothes taken, everything taken, and you're just left isolated on the side of the road. And Jesus said, not long after came a priest, a religious professional, like a pastor, and that pastor saw this man bleeding, uh, 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 barely hanging on to life. And that priest, rather than walk toward that need, decided to walk around it. And then another religious professional, a, a Levite, who is someone else who might work in the church or be a spiritual leader, saw that same bloody man soon after and, and saw him hurting and, and in pain and in need. And maybe he had a service to go to. Maybe he had to check in a Facebook Live and watch Life Church. I don't know. But rather than walk toward that need, he walked around it. And Jesus said, last came a Samaritan. And Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were kind of a heretical group. They had some things that they believed that were true about God and a lot of things that were messed up. And they were a group that the Jews looked down on and despised. And this Samaritan man comes and he sees this man left by the side of the road in pain, bleeding, in need. And he goes to the man. And he gets down on his knees. And he begins to wash his wounds with oil and with wine and he binds up those wounds and he picks that man up with all his effort and energy and puts him on his donkey and they begin the long ride the long journey to a hotel a, a place where he could an inn where he could stay and he pays for this man and he spends the whole night ministering to this man's needs and the next day he pays the innkeeper and says here I take this and whatever he needs, provide it. And when I come back, if there's anything missing, I will pay it. And Jesus said, which of these three loved the man? And they said, the Samaritan. You see, the Samaritan gave up sacrificially his time for someone in need, his energy for someone who is hurting, his resources for someone who is in pain. And Jesus basically said this. He said, you want to know what love is? You want to know what love looks like? Love walks toward the pain, not around it. Love walks toward the need, not around it. Love walks toward the hurt and the isolated, wounded person, not around them. And let's face it, as we look at our crisis that we're finding ourselves in, there's a lot of people left on the side of the road. People who are work and people who are quarantined because they think they have the virus and all these other things. And the question that you and I need to ask today that Jesus is asking us is, how are you going to walk toward the need and not around it? How is Jesus calling you and I to walk toward that need and not around it? He said, that's what love is, sacrificially giving of yourself for the best interest of someone else. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on to talk about what love isn't. What love isn't. And a little prior, I'll bring some. But, um, basically, love isn't selfish. We're going to read a couple of words uh, from 1 Corinthians. And it says, love is patient. 
Love is kind. And Nathan spoke about that last week and talked about patient kindness and how challenging that can be. And then Paul says what love is not. Love is not selfish. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And basically all of these different words hang on like a clothing rack, this idea of selfishness. Jealousy is connected to selfishness. Pride is connected to selfishness. Boasting and rudeness are all about self-centered selfishness rather than God-centered love. And we're going to look at what those words mean. Jealousy is the desire for what someone else possesses. It's, it's coveting or desiring what someone else rightfully owns. So maybe you're coveting or jealous of their achievements. I want what they have or their money or their resources or their house. Jealousy is saying, I'm coveting God's blessing in someone else's life and ignoring God's blessing in my own. Pride and uh, boasting go together. Pride is me being full of myself. It's arrogance. It's, it's being puffed up, the Bible says. The Bible says pride is being conceited, full of myself, focused on myself. And boasting is the expression of pride, which is look at me, look at what I've done, uh, look at all the things I've achieved. So pride says I'm better, I'm superior. And boasting says look at what I have, look at what I've accomplished, look at what I'm doing. I'm better than you. And then rudeness is a disregard for someone else. It's a disrespect for someone else. In this context, it actually means to talk in a way that might shame someone or hurt them. And Jesus told another story about this when he said, you want to understand what pride looks like? What does it mean when someone's proud and how do you know if that's you? He says, There's these two people went to church, which is good, and they both went to church to pray, which is awesome. We're all here right now and maybe you're praying and seeking God. But it says that's where the, com- the things in common stop. The, f- the Pharisee went to church, uh, which this guy's like a religious leader, and he went to church and he went to talk about himself. It says he prayed to himself or about himself. And he said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like a robbers who steal things from people. I thank you that I'm not like adulterers who have sex with other people's spouses and, and lust after them. I thank you that I'm not like evildoers who do all kinds of sinful things. Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm not like this tax collector, the scum of the earth. We both know he's to be despised and probably forsaken by you. The tax collector, on the other hand, actually moved away from from God and everything else, but for us to see in this this small moment, the tax collector just came before God and said, God, have mercy on me, sinner. I know I've sinned. I know that I've heard of goodness. Please, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, both of those people went to church, but only one person left that church right with God. The proud person was focused on himself. The humble person was focused on God. And he left right with God. Pride can ruin our relationship with God. And here's something fun just to to think about that. It's it's, it's, uh, paper. (laughs) Little potty humor. Maybe this will reveal a little bit of the crap in our life. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but 
it's amazing to me that I never would have thought in my lifetime we could run out of toilet paper. By the way, fun fact, um, did you know toilet paper was not even mass produced until the 1920s and most households probably didn't even use it till the 1950s, 40s or 50s? So I wonder what the world did before this happened because we act like we can't live without it. Now, we don't have to think too far, but I do have a lot of leaves in my backyard if you need some help. So... I want you to think about all those sins, but well, let's talk about all toilet paper. So let me just tell you something. I want you to imagine for a minute that I have a semi-truck load of toilet paper in my backyard. And you're jealous of me right now, aren't you? Daddy's going to be wiping all year long. I, I've got enough toilet paper for four years, and so what I decided is I'm going to keep three years worth, and I'm selling the rest at a 400% markup. Feeling jealous? Or, or think me with pride in my toilet paper. You know what? A couple weeks ago, everybody thought I was crazy. They thought, oh, you're a mad hoarder. And I bought a semi-truck load of toilet paper. Tell me I'm not smart. Tell me I'm not awesome. Tell me I'm not wonderful. Pride and boasting. I love you, baby. Mm. And look at this. This is Charmin. This is not the cheap stuff. This does not feel like you took a corn cob with no corn on it, and you, you know, this is the real deal. Or rude. I don't want to say you're stupid, and I don't want to say you're lazy, but I'll just say you weren't smart to not load up on toilet paper, and maybe you just didn't take enough initiative, so now I have the toilet paper, and you don't. You see how... All these sins can leak out into our lives in, in what is a funny way. I know I'm on a roll. Kevin, stop laughing right now. I'm looking at you. <laughs> but they reveal something about us, right? And that's what love isn't. That's what love is not. Love is not selfish. Love is sacrificial. And you say, okay, how do we... How do we do this, Alex? How do, we, how do we move into living this out in our lives? And I want to give you a couple things here. How do we do this for such a time as this? We remember first why love matters, because you and I, were, we run on love. We are made for love. And what is love? Love is walking toward the need, not around it. It's sacrificially doing what's in the best interest of others. And what love isn't, what's love not? It's not selfish. It's not selfish. And at a time like this, it's so easy for us to justify our selfishness, isn't it? And lastly, how can you and I love in such a time as this? First, we have to remember that love is not a feeling again. It's an action. It's a choice we make. And as we think about, well, there's different ways we could be uh, applying this passage this week, but as we think about love and what it means to love, we, need, we often try to remove sins rather than replace them. And, and really, the theory of displacement is this idea that um, I don't just pull something out, nature abhors a vacuum, but I, I, I move something out as I replace it with something good. So I get rid of my jealousy and my pride and my boasting and my rudeness. Um, I want to see those things. I want to confess those things. But as I live a life of love, it pushes them out because love and selfishness cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So as I choose love in this moment, uh, selfishness has to be, is getting pushed out. Um, it's like skiing. 
Uh, I love skiing, and I'm not great at it. I have a friend, Mark, who's a great skier. And uh, experts will tell you this. When you, we were, I was recently got a, a gift to go skiing somewhere. And when you go through a forest, um, people can hit the trees, and it's dangerous. And so one of the things experts tell you when you're skiing through a forest is this. You never focus on the tree. You focus on the gap. You focus on the space. You focus on the hole. You never focus on the tree. You focus on the path. And when you focus on the path, you can navigate through. You can navigate through. And so we're going to focus on the path, the path of love. And the church has focused on this path for hundreds of years. And they've practiced certain things that have helped them grow and cultivate love and walk the path. And we're going to look at what that means for a few minutes now. Because I'm going to do these things over the next week and I'm asking you to join me. Please join me in this. The first thing is I want you to make a list of four or five people. Someone in your family, someone in Life Church, someone who's not inside the church. Grab one or two people in each of those categories and maybe even people that you're struggling with. Maybe it's someone you're jealous of or someone that you feel the need to brag around or someone you're rude to even as we try to live into the, this, these principles. And I want you to make a list, including those groups, And the second thing is we're going to pray through that list. We're going to practice loving prayer. We can write notes all day long and that won't change us. We can even read our Bibles, but until we put it into practice, it's not transforming us. It's when we do the things Jesus tells us to do. So we're going to ask God first to transform our hearts. We're going to pray, Lord, change my heart. Too often in my early Christian life, I I spent my time praying that God would change the people around me and make them more loving. I'm not naming names right now, but I might be looking at some people. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things God showed me over time is, I don't, I don't need to pray that God changes them and makes them more loving. I need God to change me to make me more loving. And we're going to pray that God would bless the people on your list and that they would experience God's love and that they would uh, experience his goodness and his favor. And so I'm going to give you a basic prayer, and it's uh, on your notes. It should be on the, the uh, screen. And, and I just want you to think of someone. Before I pr- walk through this, I have a friend, Pat, who uh, uh, just confessed uh, he's feeling really anxious. His kids are in different places in the country. They're all separated from one another, and he's feeling really anxious. And so this is a simple way we can pray. Lord, I pray that Pat would experience your peace in the midst of anxiety. Lord, I pray, and I want you to pray with me. I want you to think of that person right now that you're going to pray for, right now. Lord, I pray for Pat that he would experience love in the midst of isolation, your love. I pray he'd experience affirmation in the midst of silence. I pray he'd experience blessing in the midst of scarcity. I pray he'd experience faith in the midst of fear, so much fear. Lord, I pray he'd experience hope, your hope in the midst of despair. Lord, I pray that you would protect him and provide for him and bless him and cause him to be a light. Because, Lord, you also said that the world's going to know that we're your followers by the way we love one another. And I pray that you'd pour out your love on him and that he would pour out his love on all the people around him, the love you have given him. Amen? Amen? Imagine you knew someone was praying like that for you every day. This is the gift we can give each other. 
We can be separated and not isolated. And I promise you this, your prayer will break through every separation, every wall. God wants to move in people's lives and he wants you and I to have faith. There's power in our prayers and we just need to believe that and we need to pray for people and know that God is gonna work in their lives. This is how we live into love. Not just thinking about it, but doing it. If you've got a lot of time to be worried or afraid, you've got a lot of time to pray. And I want to encourage you to turn that worry and that fear into prayer. And say, God, take my eyes off me and let me put my eyes on you and other people. That's what God wants us to do. And then the second thing we're going to do, we're going to practice loving prayer with that list of people, praying for one person each day. You can pray for more than that. You extroverts, you might want to go three, four, or five. My wife, man, she is on the phone. She is praying for people, and then she is practicing loving care. She's calling people. And I want you to call one person each day. This is a time when people can feel isolated and alone. And one of the great ministries we can have is just to reach out and call them. My wife is so good at this. She does this all the time. And ask a simple question. How are you doing? How hard is that? I just can't... um, this last year, I, I'm trying to find the actual reference for this, but I was at a, a seminar on coaching, and one of the things that research is, they had a research study, and it said that people um, experience listening as one of the highest ways of experiencing love. They said when there was someone who actually cares about them and is genuinely looking at them and is authentically present with them, they feel love it, and it sets off their brains. It just shows up in all these ways. Listening equals love. Don't diminish it. Don't go, oh, I just listen. Ask good questions. Really care about people. How are you doing? And then ask the second question, how can I pray for you? You can't not ask that question. When I love my friend, Kevin, or love my daughter, Kaylee, I say, how can I pray for you? And guess what? If you're you're in an honest relationship, they're going to share the things that are burdening them. And And you can minister to them right in that moment. That is practicing loving care. Uh, I had some friends who I was doing this with in the last week, and one of the things they said is, you're not going to believe this. And let me just tell you, that's code for God's working way ahead of you. Can I just tell you, God has people he wants you to call this week who need that call. And so I was doing this with some friends, and a friend said, you're not going to believe this. And I go, okay, try me. I called someone. They said, you're... I, f- I was feeling so alone. My spouse just got out of the hospital from surgery, and I thought, nobody even knows And honestly, I felt like nobody even cares. And you called and said, how am I doing? And I just feel like I got an affirmation from God because you called me. And that person did get an affirmation from God. And he used you to give it and to bring it. So call people, ask how they're doing, and then encourage them with the encouragement you're receiving. Even as you're hearing these words from Jesus, you're going, hey, guess what? I want, we, we need to love uh, each other the way Jesus loved us, and how can we practice that? I'm just feeling so encouraged by that this week. I feel like overwhelmed by COVID, but suddenly I feel like, oh, but I can do this. I'm, I'm just feeling encouraged. Why don't you join me in that? And then serve them if possible. And I know that we uh, have to practice social distancing and everything else, but how can you serve them? Are they out of paper? You and Charmin go make a little trip. 
put it on their stoop, give them a gift, a warm, soft, loving gift. Maybe they're out of food or they're on quarantine. I, uh, one of my friends, Pam, I heard, just heard about this week, uh, had someone who was uh, struggling with being on quarantine and took food over there. Simple things you can do, I can do, we can do. Will you commit with me to do these things? Please, please. Separation is a requirement. Isolation is a choice. Don't make the choice to be isolated. Make the choice to be connected. Make the choice to be connected. Let me tell you something. Right now, you and I are going to write a story. We're writing a faith story. Two years from now, very likely, we will be through this. And we will have written one or two kinds of stories. And I know the story Jesus wants for you. But there's two versions of this story. And one is a selfish version I was fearful, I was afraid, I knew I should have lived generously, but I hoarded, and I, I still have like half a semi-load of toilet paper, and I'm selling it for pennies on the dollar now. It's a sad life. And I chose fear over faith. You don't want to do that. And I chose despair over hope. And I chose selfish apathy rather than sacrificial love that walked toward the need and not around it. That's not our story. It's not your story. It's not mine. Together, we're not going to choose that story. We're going to choose Jesus' narrative, which is sacrificial love. And you're going to say, man, I was scared. And you know what? I, but I got encouragement from God. I got encouragement from my community, Life Church family. And I chose generosity over hoarding. I chose love. And I trusted Jesus. And I chose faith over fear because you know what I know? Jesus is with me. Jesus is for me. The Holy Spirit is in me. And I, choose, I chose hope over despair because I have a hope that will not fade. My past is forgiven. My future is secure. I have the hope of God's kingdom. That kingdom is going to come. It's going to advance. The rule and reign of Jesus is coming. And I have the hope of heaven, and so do you. And I have the hope of the resurrection. And I will be raised from the dead just like Jesus. I have hope that no one can take away. This life is not all there is. And I have love, and I chose love over selfish apathy because you know what I want you to know right now? I want you to know this. Look at me, please. Jesus saw this time coming. He's not surprised. He's not up in heaven going, oh my gosh, I can't believe the virus exploded like this. I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus knew this time was coming. And you know what he did? He chose to put you on this earth. You are here for such a time as this. This is your moment to be the hands and feet of Jesus and my moment. This isn't an accident. This is your time to choose love. This is your time and my time to walk toward the need, not around it. Because love is not selfish. Love is sacrificial. Now, I know you can't stand with me, but I want to pray. And if you're willing to commit to practice love with me, would you just... Do that online, and you know, you know I'm not an online, well, some of you don't know that, but I'm not the most adept online person, but I know I need to say yes to my community, and this is one of the ways we can say yes to our community. So yes, I'm committed to do these things. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to practice loving prayer. I'm going to practice loving prayer. I'm going to do it with Alex and the whole community, because I'm doing this every day this week, and I'd love to do it together with you. And I'm going to pray that God would help us 
But before I do that, I want to pray for you. And you may be there today and you're going, you know, um, I feel just like one of those babies. I feel isolated. I feel alone. I feel a failure to thrive. I feel like no one loves me and no one cares. And I want you to know something. You may be here this morning just to hear this. God loves you. God cares about you. And in the midst of darkness, he wants to bring light into your life. And in the midst of death, he wants to bring life into your life. And in the midst of sickness, he wants to bring health and flourishing in your life. But he's waiting for you to say yes. Will you say yes to Jesus today and receive his goodness and his love and his forgiveness and his mercy? He wants to pour them out on you. In this moment and through his church, you are not alone. You can choose to be alone, but God never wants you to be alone. So let's pray. If you're in that place, I just want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. I believe you're the son of God and, and that you came to this earth out of your love for me. Not to condemn me, Lord, but to renew me. Not to forsake me, but to forgive me. And Lord, I want to receive your forgiveness and your mercy right now. Just like that tax collector, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm a sinful person. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've done the wrong thing. And I'm asking for you to wash away my sin. Will you cleanse me, forgive me, and renew me? And help me now, Lord, to be a light for you in this time of darkness. Help me to be a your loving presence to the world around me. And Lord Jesus, now we want to pray for all of us who've just committed to walk with you. Love is not selfish, it's sacrificial. And Lord Jesus, we just want to commit, we want to say yes to you as a community. We do not want to hide in fear, but we want to trust you in faith. And we are going to walk toward the needs, Lord, as a community, as individuals. We're going to walk toward the hurt, toward the pain, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And we're going to believe you, Lord, to advance your love. We're going to believe you to exalt your name. We're going to believe you to pour out your love and healing in the midst of this world that is so broken and so confused. And Lord Jesus, we're trusting you to use the love, these small acts of love to do something great for your name and to bless people. Lord, help us to walk in love and to walk toward those needs, not around them. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org/now for our now page, or fill out the form linked in the show notes below, and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you watched Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about that. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.